From Jerusalem, Israel, this is From the Midwest to the Middle East, the podcast that explores everything new in U.S. and Israeli economy. Here's your host, Philip Stein. I'm really pleased to be having this podcast today. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Philip Stein and Associates, the largest U.S. CPA firm in Israel, providing U.S. tax services to Israelis, Americans, corporations, startups, and anyone else needing them. Hi, I have a very uh, different kind of guest today. I've never had anyone in this field before, and I think all of you, my listeners, will find him very interesting. We're going to interview today Robert Weiss. Robert is an attorney who is well-versed in international transactions and American security litigation. He has been a member of the New York State Bar for 32 years and has garnered national and international recognition for his success with clients. His work as a legal professional has appeared in various news outlets such as the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and Fox News. Robert is currently working as a security litigation attorney both in Israel and the United States and is also working on international transactions. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Phil. It's good to be with you. Uh, we're going into an area the last few days. Uh, the market dropped a few percent. It opened a few percent down. Then it came back. We seem to be entering a period of volatility, even though I, I guess the experts still say we're in a quote-unquote bull market, which has been going since March 2009, meaning I assume most people are pleased with their stock pro- portfolios. Are bull markets bad for your business? Well, in a sense they are, because what happens in my business is that uh, when market goes straight up as it has from 2009 until a couple of days ago, um, then when people are in risky investments or bad investments, the rising tide lifts all the boats. But when markets go down, then you really see the true value of the investments. And there are some investments that will be able to weather the market declines fairly well, and some of them just wiped out. So, you know, the last couple of days was, you know, just a tremor uh, of, an, in my opinion, an earthquake that is, you know, that that has been building for quite a while and you really can't tell that much it went down it went back up but you have a a situation where there's a tremendous amount of risk that nobody in the financial press or the financial industry is really acknowledging yes well speaking of volatility and again this may not be a security but i'm just going to throw it out there could bitcoin be considered a security or has that not been determined well, it's it's not a true security at this point, but there, there's an element of securities with it because what what's happening is there are certain funds that invest in Bitcoin. So if you buy a mutual fund that invests in Bitcoin, or uh, like for instance the uh, Winklevoods uh, who uh, were involved in Facebook at the very beginning, they started a, a, a fund or a, some kind of managed investment with Bitcoin. So if you buy Bitcoin through them, it is a security. But it's a good example of markets. It's not just securities that have bubbles. I mean, you see, you saw it in Manhattan, particularly Manhattan real estate. Right now, you see what's going on in Jerusalem. Five years ago, the the uh, the home prices here were just a small fraction of what they are today. So every market has uh, is subject to this sort of thing. Um, you know, there's it, it gets too hot, and there are people who are buying just for speculation. Bitcoin had really essentially no tie to the, the, any real value and went up to $20,000 of Bitcoin. And now it's about $6,000 of Bitcoin. 
particularly young people who've never lived through this, people who, um, you know, they, they, uh, they weren't investing anything and they started investing in 2010, 2011, and they've never experienced anything like this. They're, they're, they're very um, vulnerable to this sort of thing. Okay, now let's just what clients of mine deal with uh, every day uh, when when they want to open a bro- brokerage account in the U.S. They have to answer questions about their sophistication as an investor and their tolerance for risk. If the portfolio manager follows the investor's answers to these questions, is there a basis to make a claim against the portfolio manager? There, there may be, um, particularly against the uh, the company that the portfolio manager is working for because a lot of times there's undisclosed relationships. Uh, for instance, uh, if somebody wanted um, uh, WorldCom uh, a long time ago, they would have um, uh, they, they would not have really truly understood the risk that uh, Citigroup, which owned Solomon Smith Barney at the time, was pumping up the stock of WorldCom in order to with their analysts uh, in order to um, use the price, the high price of WorldCom to do other acquisitions and make the money on the investment banking side of it. So a lot of times they don't really understand what the true agenda of the company that is pushing all these stocks is. So the, uh, the investment advisor who's working for the, um, the brokerage house is following a script. This is all very scripted, Phil. You know, you don't. There's very, very little that these investment advisors do or say that's off the script. And most of the calls that you have with the investment houses are recorded. And a lot of times, we can get these recordings in the conversation. Um, the 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 script is written by people with different agendas. Everyone has a different agenda. The smartest thing anyone can do with investments is to buy quality stocks. And hold on to them and never sell them. I have an uncle who bought Microsoft in 1973 and still has it. Made a fortune. That's true. But if you got that advice from brokers, the brokers themselves wouldn't make any money. So you never hear anything except for your uncle or somebody like me whose interest is at odds with often is – well, often it all the, uh, Understood. So where do, where do most investors make mistakes when they hire their investment advisor or portfolio manager? The biggest mistake is, is to trust th- these people that, um, that, that their interest and your interests are congruent. They're not congruent. Their interest is in making money for themselves, not necessarily for you. Most people have heard the old joke, where are the customer's yachts? And there's a lot of truth in that. Um, the, you know, people that they, they take classes and they're very, very good at forming relationships and forming trusts and, and, and things like that. You have to look at this very, very, uh, you have to look at it with, with a, with a critical eye, the same type of critical thinking that uh, allowed most people to make money. If you're a, you're an accountant, right? And, and, and so you, you understand how difficult it is for people to make money and how much work and sweat goes into every business, if it's a dry cleaner, if it's a, if it's a mm-hmm. store, or whatever it is. It, it's really, really hard. And, and most people uh, work very hard at it and people successful and have investments. That's the result of many, many years, 20 or 30 years of that kind of critical thinking. And then people suspend the critical thinking when they get 
um, in front of a of an investment advisor who's been very well trained. Um, I have seen tens of thousands of hours of programming on an idyllic retirement. You've, you've seen ad sure, after ad after course. ad after yes, ad. Of course, and, yes. and and that's you know that's not by accident. That's you know focus groups and focus groups and focus groups trying to get people to suspend their critical thinking. And the thing to do is, is to, you know, when someone is talking about all your money, you have to have the same level of caution that you would have if you were negotiating in any other aspect of your business where you made money. That's the best advice I can give. If an investor has a valid claim against the portfolio manager, hopefully my clients won't, but if, if they need to turn to someone like you, generally how long do the wheels of justice take to compensate the investor? Well, the, it's it's put in a court. What happens is that when when people open a brokerage account with an American brokerage house, and there are many people in Israel who uh, have these brokerage accounts and they hold most of their wealth in these accounts, you waive your right to a trial by jury and you waive your right to go into court. You can't go into federal court. You can't go into state court. You have to go to an arbitration and is administered by FINRA, which is the financial regulatory authority, which is essentially the brokerage industry that, you know, they control it in many respects. So it doesn't take as long. There's no jury trial. Um, usually between nine and 18 months, that's, that's usually how long it takes. But sometimes if the case is complicated and there's a lot of discovery that needs to be done, sometimes it could be longer, but you don't have the many years that you often have in federal court or even state court sometimes you have more than that so it's it's a fairly it's a fairly short process for this sort of thing shorter than a car accident case shorter than a medical malpractice case or other types of cases because of the arbitration privilege okay so from your experience, and again, uh, you had referred before of the the commercials we've all seen about retirees. Should retirees be invested in stocks, and and if so, to what extent? That's a very good question, and there's not a, a, a simple answer to it. It depends on the financial uh, position of the retiree. There are certain retiree, and the goals of the retiree. If 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 people have a lot of money somebody's sitting on tens of millions of dollars and is only spending a few hundred thousand dollars um, and they're looking to build a uh, uh, inheritance for their children and grandchildren, then yeah, they probably should be invested in stocks. But there are many people who do this, uh, just like the commercials, you've probably seen hundreds, I think there are thousands of retirement calculators on, on the internet. And, you know, people who and they figure out exactly how much money they need to retire and then they hit that number and then they retire. Even if they hit a number that's a multiple of that number and they have to be very careful, they really have to be careful with stocks because there's an inherent risk of stocks that people just don't understand because there's never really been a serious uh, bear market for a long time. There was a bear market a little bit 2007 to 2009, but it came back almost immediately. You have a very serious risk here of a, in America of a war with North Korea. You have a president that a lot of people really won't accept. Is that, you know, I've never seen anything like it. It's a political situation in America that, 
is really, really, it's very dangerous. There's a lot of people who want to impeach the president. There would be an armed, I think there would be an armed conflict if they tried to impeach the president right now. So the stock market has a risk of not just a corrupt 10 or 20 or 30%, but, you know, of, of a substantial amount of money being wiped out. And if you can't bear that risk, you really have no reason to, to be in stocks. If you're retired, you're much better off in income-producing investments unless you're in a position where you're trying to build an estate for your family. If someone lives in Israel, is there any limitation to making a claim against a portfolio manager in the U.S.? Not really. There's a contract between the person living in Israel and the uh, portfolio manager and the brokerage house be- behind the portfolio manager where they open the account. And they can make a claim under that contract in the arbitration proceeding, just as an American could, just if you're living anywhere in the world. I have matters in that I'm involved right now with people living in different countries besides Israel. All right, but do people have to make personal appearances or before the arbitration board? Maybe. Most of these cases settle. Um, in which case there would be no need for personal appearance. However, a certain percentage of them, and it's a small percentage, it's less than 5%, actually go to a hearing. The hearings are generally for people living in Israel in New York City, so there's a possibility that people may have to go to New York City. But when there's a lot of claims in another country, they can petition the FINRA authorities, it's the FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, to have the arbitrations in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. And I would anticipate that's what we would do. Okay. So I think my last question, again, taking upon your 32 years of experience, you've seen a lot and you may want to share some some examples, but what are generally the warning signs that investors should look for if they suspect their money is not being managed properly? Well, I mean, that's a very good question. And... Um, the, the, the first answer that I would give to the question is that any senior, I just read an article, my wife who works with me, uh, Aviva Weiss, just sent me an article on this and, and uh, it was very interesting. They did a study, this was in uh, CNBC, in the print CNBC, they did a study and they found out that one in 18 older adults, anyone over 65, was a victim of a fraud, even if they had no mental impairment, even if they had no diagnosis, they were on no medication, they no, you know, they, they, there was no mental impairment. They just, you know, happened to be an older person. They're a victim of a fraud. So you have to realize, so when you see a con man nowadays, they don't, they don't have every other tooth missing and a patch over one eye and everything. They're charming, they're engaging, they're funny, they're witty. So it's very easy to, or it, it, it's very easy for people who have bad intentions to target older people. It's easier than robbing a bank. It, it, so just the fact that you're older and you're retired, somebody calls you, you don't know, and you don't have a relationship with you, suspicion should be up, you know? So the, 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 the biggest problem that people have in this is that, you know, retired people, older people, are often the targets of some very sophisticated scams. I mean, there's really no way to tell unless you did the, um, you know, an underwriting, unless you were someone who was following Lehman Brothers, that Lehman Brothers would collapse when it did. 
and that you know the, all the people who are holding those lean and principal protected notes would wind up with nothing. Well, let me, let me ask you a question that, that I wasn't anticipating, but in light of your answer, um, you know, people are living longer. A generation ago, uh, getting to your 80s was was considered quite an achievement. Today, it's it's much more common. Uh, it's almost like the 90s now has become. Uh, the, the the age that people get to, uh, but obviously people uh, decline in their mental facilities. It would seem to be that people's children should get more involved in in this. But again, there's oh, absolutely, you know. But but those aren't always easy conversations to have or to you know if someone's been managing their own money for the last fifty, sixty years. Um, Correct, but it sounds to me that uh, these are these are discussions families should be having. You know, as you say, people are sophisticated, or you know, uh, I assume some of these sophisticated people might appear at uh, retirement communities giving uh, uh, seminars, lectures. Um, you correct. Could be people could fall into traps. It seems to me. Yeah, just just as a final word that. Um... Even in the event that, you know, nobody really, nobody's a Navi, nobody is able to see the future, despite what a lot of people claim. So you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't know whether or not the decline will be precipitous as in the event of a war or it'll be less precipitous in the event of just, you know, a market that's just correcting itself. There's just no, no way to really, really know. However, it's... It, it's very important for people to realize that they do have rights that even in the worst case scenario and uh, you know there's a, there's an event that, that destroys much of New York City which is where the most of these brokerage houses are located they have redundancies and computers all over the world and they have offices over the world and they're still going to be able to be standing in order to make claims and the same is true if the, if the decline is less dramatic. The people have rights. So if you're in a situation where you see a, a decline, and I'm speaking now mostly to um, you know, the younger people who may be looking at their parents' portfolio or their grandparents' portfolio, if you see a decline or something that's not right, it doesn't cost anything to call me or another securities lawyer. It's very wise to talk to a securities lawyer who's a specialist in this, and most of the specialists are a member of a particular bar association called the Public Investors Arbitration Bar Association, a bar association or PIABA. You need to get the right lawyer. It doesn't cost any money to talk to the lawyer. Often the lawyer will take it on a contingency, and you should stand up for your rights. You should stand up if you see something wrong. Bring an arbitration, and, and you can get some of your money back. You may not be able to get 100% of it back, but you'll, you know, you'll get, you'll be in a much better position than you were before you bought the claim. Okay. Uh, if people want to know more about what you do or reach out to you, how can they uh, find out? Or um, the best way I think is email. It's uh, Robert H Weiss ESQ at gmail.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and all the social media. My, uh, my, my website is weissstockbrokerfraudlaw.com. It's the best I can. All right. Well, thank you for this uh, informative uh, discussion. I think people, uh, as you say, uh, we all believe in uh, rights, whether they be uh, taxpayer rights or investor rights or, or human rights. So uh, we, we, uh, we certainly... Uh, share the the importance of such value and uh, 
If my listeners want to hear more, you've given them a lot of information and food for thought, and I appreciate the time you took today, Robert. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.pstein.com or look for Philip Stein & Associates on Facebook and LinkedIn. 